This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 551 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It's Friday, May 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's up? Man, I, I don't know what to say right now, uh, but I I think I may have found the greatest Rotoware shirt of all time that I'm currently wearing. You definitely are. Have you put a picture on Twitter so people can You know what, let, let me change my profile picture while, yes. while we're talking, because this, is, this because is amazing. It's amazing and people need to go to your twitter check it out hit that follow if you're not what are you doing if you're not following justin mason fwfb dude unbelievable unbelievable very cool shirt you know uh by the way speaking of fwfb big congratulations on the uh on the interview there with with bk Brian Kenny, a, a, a friends with fantasy benefits extravaganza with Brian Kenny and Nick Pollock. Lots of baseball being discussed there. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Uh, my guy, uh, uh, Mike uh, Levine, who goes by at Mike the Roto Cop on Twitter, uh, he works for Pitcher List and he works for Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Uh, and had met Brian Kenny at some sort of event and somehow conned him into coming on the podcast. So. It was good. It, it was it was really good. Um, yeah, BK, BK was great. You guys had a really good discussion. It was it was a lot of fun. So yeah. I I recommend that to folks. Weekends coming up, you got plenty of time to listen to stuff. Hopefully, I mean I I don't know. People's weekends can be busy. I'm just out here uh, accounting for everybody's time. But no, it was really well done, and uh, that was cool that you guys were able to do that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. He agreed to come on for like 15, 20 minutes, ended up staying for an hour. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a great conversation. Uh, and it's always fun, like, talking with Nick. So, like, I, you know, I, exactly. I know you and Nick have been doing the fireside chats. Um, you know, I, I could talk to Nick for hours about baseball. So it was cool to, uh, talk to him and obviously talk to Brian Kenny, who was just an absolute joy to, uh, discuss baseball with. So like, I, 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 I can, I'm not going to suggest that I am to the level of Brian Kenny by any stretch of the imagination, but I totally get the whole, like when you commit to something, like a podcast that you know you might tangentially know somebody or know them a little bit, and you're like, okay, I'll be on it. Cool, let's do it. I got like 20 minutes, and then once you start talking baseball, 
the time doesn't matter unless you're up against a hard out like you're going to do something I, I, my basic point is I've been there where it's like yeah I'll, I'll come on I got, I got 20 minutes and then an hour and a half later it's like oh that was awesome because I just feel like once the baseball f- chat gets going it's over I mean they, once you get baseball nerds on the roll they can talk for hours so I wasn't surprised to hear that that's how it went down where BK said nah I can do this and then ended up uh, being on for much longer than he committed to. So that was very cool. Again, people need to listen to that. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's pretty much what you and I literally do every episode. Where we every go, single episode. Yeah, th- this is going to be like an hour long, and then three hours later. Exactly. Oh, dude, we got a, 50 minutes, dude. We got we to gotta hurry. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I'll pull, I'll pull the link off your Twitter. Anyway, let's talk some baseball. Uh, let's start with some, some news. And we have to start on the negative side with the DL stint. Starling Marte headed the DL with an oblique. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's too crazy. You were saying uh, that he was suggesting that he might play through it. Uh, he's not. He's going to go ahead and take the 10-day. Marte is. And it's going to bring up Austin Meadows. Now, this is definitely a bummer for uh, the Pirates and, and Marte. He was playing very well. And, of course, that translates to fantasy goodness um, so that, you know, rather high pick as well so you're gonna have him on the shelf for a little bit but meadows is pretty intriguing now prospect fatigue has pretty much set in with him where i don't really hear people talk about him much anymore but i wonder if he's not one of those guys that because he kind of fell off the 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 prospect radar a bit after he you know stalled out a little bit last year i think he only played like 80 games too so i think he had some injury concerns last year and 16 that that's probably a big reason why Meadows isn't as hyped up is that health has kind of gotten to him, but then the performance as well. Um, I could totally, I could totally see him coming up and being a factor though. And and then it's like, Oh, remember this guy? Yeah. We were so hyped on him for years. He is a five time top 100 prospect and, and top 50, all of those times, by the way, for Austin Meadows. With the with the uh, hype died down, do you think this is somebody to go out and get, and and he could be an impact player? Where where do you stand with Austin Meadows? Oh man, I mean, it it has had a lot to do with injuries. Why uh, the 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 prospect fatigue has set in? Uh, I mean, he's still a, a fantastic fantastic prospect, and I think um, while he is dropped on a number of lists, I would probably have him still in, if I did prospect rankings for fantasy, which I do not, uh, probably still have him in my top 25, I would say. Um, I mean, he's a guy who's got pop, he's got, uh, speed, speed, um, he's got a good hit tool, uh, which is pretty fully developed. I think the power will probably come more with time. Uh, he's still only 23 years old, so I think that'll continue to grow. But I think he, he's already stolen eight bases yeah. in AAA this year in, in 31 games, and he's hitting 281, 326, 380. Um, I th- it, you know, it depends on, you know, are they going to let him continue to play once uh, Starling Marte comes back? That becomes That's true. The it could end up question. just being, being a short stint there. Uh, for Austin Meadows, if if the injury is in fact something that's kind of quick for Starling Marte, but you know he, he is also 23. This is his uh, 
not third full season, but third year, 16, 17, and now 18, that he will have time in AAA. 37 games there in 16, um, 72 games, and then it looks like nine other games probably in rehabs getting back to AAA last year when he was hurt, and then 32 so far. So he's, you know, he's got 141 games at AAA, only a 705 OPS for Meadows. But again, I just wonder if it's, you know, something with being there a lot. Maybe he's fatigued by it too. We see this happen sometimes where guys are, and I'm not saying that that's like okay or whatever because, you know, he's got to prove, you know, put up numbers, prove to the team that, hey, they want him up there. So I'm not saying that he's like lagging or anything, but uh, he's got his batting average back up. His OBP is solid, 294, 336, but then the power hasn't been there this year with a 397. The thing of it is, though, we see guys come up from the minors and add power because that's the way the league is playing. And, you know, I mentioned it, it's, it's a league context like any other. We don't expect skills to be enhanced just by coming to the majors because usually, you know, tougher competition. It's just not going to be the same sort of deal. But in this case, you add power. You know, you're, you're the springier ball, you're going to get more power just coming up to the majors. So we could see Meadows' power kind of get back to what it was back in the day, which I think, you know, projected to be a 450-ish sort of uh, slug. So we'll see. I say go get them in uh, – I, I say go get them anywhere. Uh, any league right now, take a shot, especially with the eight steals in 32 games. In a short stint, he could give you some speed, and that's what you're missing most with Marte anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm for it. I'm saying go out, take a shot here. And, and worst case is he's up for a small time, Austin Meadows, and you cut him instantly – Anyway, you know, after Marte comes back. I think one of the things that we probably don't take into account enough in fantasy, and and I think I really learned last year, is when a guy is up like this, like, don't worry about the fact that he may get sent back down too much. Exactly. You know, I think Cody Ballinger was the you know was the big example. He was the poster of that. boy for that last yeah, year. Yeah, it was for like, sure. well, where is he going to play? Well, don't if, worry about it. If he hits, he's going to play. Like they'll figure yep. it out. And he's he's an athletic guy. He you know they're going to play him in center, uh, which means he can and he can also play obviously in both corners. You know, if they need to move Corey Dickerson to first or or figure something out, you know, move guys around, they'll figure it out. I mean, this is a team that is competing right now. They're first in the Central. Which is insane to me, um, you know, <laughs> that this oh, I, team, after trading away their best player, I'm telling you, though, is you know, somehow... that was the thing. It was the same thing happened with Tampa Bay, and they're they're only 20 and 22, and we're actually going to talk about them in a moment, um, where they traded the name value, but what they got back was pretty good. Now, with the Pirates, they haven't even gotten the pitching piece mm-hmm. to start yet. For, for them that they got back in the cold deal with Joe Musgrove. He hasn't even gotten going yet. But Colin Moran has been uh, a plus bat at third base with a 129 OPS plus. And then, um, you know, they didn't lose that much with McCutcheon when you consider Corey Dickerson. First off, McCutcheon's center field defense is not as good as Marte's, so that was a benefit, just putting Marte in center. But then Dickerson's bat is absolutely better than what they got out of McCutcheon last year so far. And so you add it up, and I'm not 
I'm not blown away that they're doing well. I, I, I definitely didn't have them winning the division, and you know we're far from set in stone. That is a tough division. If anyone mm-hmm. thinks the Cubs are going to go run away and hide, uh, they're not. You know they're they're, they're going to be right there, and they're in fourth right now. So that tells you where that division's at with Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and the Cubs. So it's going to be it's going to be a fight. They need something from Musgrove to to stick around, I believe. But uh, I'm not as blown away that this team has actually been pretty solid. And it's been it's been a fun team to watch. I think they have a pretty decent offense, despite not like a ton of superstar power. Yeah, we're a quarter of the way through the season at this point. Um, you know, a little bit more than a quarter of the way through the season's point. Do you want to apologize to Starling Marte for writing an article called "Don't Pay for Starling Marte"? No. Okay. I don't. I'm, I'm just I'm just checking because like I know he's injured right now, but like he he. He has been on pace for like a twenty forty season. Wait, did I write that this year? It looks. Oh like yeah, I wrote, I wrote that in the winter. Yeah, in the winter. Yeah, yeah in the fall. Oh, yeah. uh, let's see. What, what did I say? You can get Buxton. Uh, oh, look who I said you could get. Buxton. Okay, whatever. Who was number two? Pollock. Well, he's hurt. <laughs> okay, but they're both hurt. And then I said Kiermaier, who's, who's also hurt, and Taylor, who hasn't been good. No, I, I stand by it. As much as I like Marte, I thought you could replicate his skills. Uh, cheaper, and I've just always wondered if the power was gonna was gonna really be there. And we are seeing a, a career high power right now with a 195 ISO. Okay, and was a nice call too. So uh, I, I like how like you um, uh, you know wrote an article about Starling Marte and kind of the guys you could get for cheaper, but you still took a shot at Kyle Gibson. Did I? Oh yeah. <laughs> I do think it's worth noting that he Buxton benefited from the same cupcake schedule that saw a late season surge from Kyle Gibson. <laughs> Anywhere, dude, I can fit it into any article. I think people. Uh, let me see. I I, I might have moved Kyle Gibson up again. I did a mid May update ranking for starting pitchers. Where do I have old Gibby? Let me, let me do a little control F here. Fifty seventh. He's he's just behind teammate Fernando Romero in the spot start section. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's getting closer to uh, uh, being you know in in your top thirty five, which is where he should be. Gross. Um, <laughs> let's do, here, you know what? A little, little tangent here, since you brought up your favorite pitcher in the world, Kyle Gibson or Caleb Smith. Kyle Gibson. Caleb Smith is. Um, you know he's an interesting pitcher. the The park really hides a lot of the flaws. Not uh, going anywhere. He, and he's he's not going anywhere. But I mean that team is not going to win games. Uh, so you know he becomes a three category pitcher that you can only start at home. You know I'm just... I think you can start him everywhere. Really? Well, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm not. You know the strikeouts are there. Um, you know he was beat beat around yesterday for like the first time really. Um, and interestingly enough, being that he's a lefty, the uh, the Dodgers of all teams got to him. They don't usually do well against. They're kind of back to their old ways of of not being able to hit lefties. He's watching so, yeah, almost he had, four per nine. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's gonna. It, it, the, the, I I I don't believe in in Caleb Smith, but I can understand. Uh, I mean, the strikeout rate is nice. So. He's better than Kyle Gibson. No, um, Kyle Gibson or Michael Walker. I'm just going with some guys I have like right ahead of him just to see where you're at. Mm, that's pretty close. Uh, I'm gonna go Gibson just to piss you off. Doesn't it doesn't bother me? Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> Kyle Gibson or Walker Bueller? Ooh, 
I'm gonna go Bueller. I I, I just yeah. love the upside of a guy. I think like you got Walker to in Bueller. the short term. Yeah. We'll figure it out in August if the innings are coming up due or whatever. You know that that that's a great someone like Walker Bueller is a great example of you know the the. the my thought process and not just mine not unique to me by any stretch but the idea that you have to be more short term with pitching and probably with hitters too but i really focus on it with pitching of like not everything has to be talking about what am i going to do in september with this guy like i i gotta get to september so let me get to june before i worry about july august and september and so someone like walker bueller you know i got him in the usually start tier i know he's a young guy they're going to probably manage his innings tightly, and there's going to be like some four-inning starts where he only has like 74 pitches, and you're like, they could have gone, but then he came up that inning to bat or something, and those will be frustrating or whatever, but nah, I'm putting that guy out just about every – the usually start tier is like maybe a Coors start that I would I would pass on, but for the most part, I'm really getting those guys uh, in the lineup. But yeah, you know, looking at Gibson, I have him as a spot start, but near the top there, I think most teams that have him – you're pretty much playing him every time. You know, I've actually got him right now in a 10-teamer, if you can believe that. I, I, have, uh, a, I have a suggestion right now, and it's, yes. it's a little bit off the wall. Um, le- we, we, should just, we should go through the rest of these kind of current moves and then scrap the rest of our uh, uh, show notes and just talk about your mid-May update because I've got a lot of Boom. Uh, questions it's done. and, let, let, and it's done. maybe disagreements. That's perfect. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so let's move on then, and then we'll get back into the starting pitchers. Justin Upton was hit by a pitch. Um, my stomach dropped, and this is not a, not a like, oh, I have Justin Upton on a bunch of teams. I'm just a really big Justin Upton fan. And the hit by pitches, name. it does have a great first name. It's like the best first name. Uh, and I'm just terrified of the hit by pitches because they seem to do like the most consistent damage to guys when you see somebody get hit. And you know, I try to judge it off the reaction, which I know is not, you know, uh, scientific at all, or, or or even all that worthwhile to see, like, oh, you know, how much are they reacting? Do they, does it look like they broke something? Looking good right now. No fracture on his hand. I think he did come out of that game. I'm fa- fairly certain on that for Justin Upton. But he's it looks like he's going to be all right. Uh, I did want to use it as a springboard to mention that, you know. That was the only way to stop him. Justin Upton was in the midst of, of one of his Justin Upton hot streaks, which you can set your watch to. Like those things, they will happen. Actually, I don't know what that phrase means, um, especially in this context, because you actually can't set your watch to it. You don't know when it's coming. You just know that it's going to happen. Uh, and sometimes it takes a little longer. Although I, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, Upton does usually dominate May. I feel like that's one of his best months. But uh, yeah. anyway, he was in the midst of – no, not the last two years. Yikes, he's been terrible in May. But he's been in one of his uh, mega hot streaks. Do you ever use things like this, like a hit-by-pitch, to try to go make a, a, a trade offer and, and hope that you know there's a, neg- there's a little bit of negativity in that person's mind? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be a little bit easier on the, on the cost, or, or do you not play that sort of day-trading game? I will do it not necessarily in the case of like a Justin Upton, but like in a case of a Starling Marte. Yeah. Like now's the time if, you know, I was a huge Starling Marte guy coming into the season. Um, and like if for some reason I didn't get him in a draft, like now's the time that I would try to buy on him. 
You know, he's on the DL. Maybe, you know, a guy has too many injured guys willing to, you know, trade him off at 75, you know, cents on the dollar, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless, like, um, I don't know. It, it seems one. It seems a little shady, and I think it comes. It's pretty transparent when you guy yeah. gets injured like right away, and you're just like, "Hey, like, why don't we make a deal here?" You know. Yeah, I think I think that's you know. And again, I I don't like setting up the uh, the hypothetical that just doesn't exist uh, of which I think happens too much in fantasy analysis, regardless of sport. Of like, go take advantage of your stupid league, and it's like, well, I don't play in leagues with idiots so i can't do this basic mm-hmm. thing that you're talking about something like that if i did if i was going to try to make an offer i would I, i'm usually like hey i know he just got hit by pitch i'm not trying to come at you and give you you know uh, mike minor for justin upton but i am i am you know interested i usually because you're right it is super transparent if you try to go in and and just uh, swindle or look like you're going to be a swindler. So same thing with like a Marte. Hey, he just went on the DL. I know you're not going to be giving him away for nothing. I am interested. Where you know where do you currently stand with it? I think it's better to just be a don't insult the intelligence of your your league mates basically because mm-hmm. they're not dumb. Uh, all right, uh, sticking with the Angels, they got bad news with uh, Keenan Middleton. Looks like he's going to have Tommy John. I don't know that he's 100% said that he's going to do it, but it has been recommended. I think for all intents and purposes, he gone. Um, and there goes their closer. He kind of quietly just emerged into the closer's role there, and now it's back wide open with uh, the likes of Blake Parker, Jim Johnson, uh, Cam Bedrosian, how do you see this scenario playing out there in L.A. with the uh, Angels closer situation? I don't have any idea, and this is <laughs> the funny thing is you didn't have any idea when Middleton was healthy. That's well, Sosha, and, and like that was the thing. Like in coming into the season, uh, there were a couple situations that I wanted nothing to do with, and yep. this was one of them. Same, um, you know, and it just oh, I didn't mention Justin Anderson, by the way too he's you know another stupid named player get, get a better first name <laughs> idiot uh but he looks like you know he's done some things but now i look at his line here and i don't know what the fuss is i've seen him only i've only seen him pitch once and uh it wasn't a good outing but he's definitely in the mix as well justin anderson so okay you and i maybe we have the luxury of not getting into the fold here um because it was a situation we wanted to avoid. Not everyone's going to be so lucky. Somebody had Keenan Middleton emerge and become their second closer. Who are you going to speculate on if if this is a situation that you need to get into in the Angels' bullpen? I think I would gamble on Bedrosian. Okay. Because, because he's like, cheap. Yeah, like... One, I think he's cheap, and two, I think like they've always wanted him to be the guy. It does seem like they they are trying to uh, not force him in there, but but groom him into it. And in fact, they haven't forced him in because of the performance. You know, he hasn't always been great. Cam Bedrosian hasn't. Um, I think like Parker and maybe even Anderson are going to have more hype in the market. So if you did want to, since it is pretty wide open. Um, I do think that Bedrosian would be an interesting the 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 cheap play the two dollar guy when Jim Johnson 
Parker and Anderson are going for, you know, 10, whatever the scale is. But I, I could see a, a big split there where Bedrosian is kind of the forgotten guy and maybe he ends up stealing it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just such a crapshoot. I mean, cluster. Yeah, it it totally is. I mean, I and I could see like like Jim Johnson like being the guy they traded yep. for him. They're and they're you know paying him a decent amount right now uh, to be on this team, paying him five million dollars. Uh, he's got experience closing. You know how much we like always love that uh, that yep. line. So. And that will, I mean, that will help. Like that, whether it should or not, we can debate all the, all day long, but. It will carry some weight when you know that that it's a guy who he might not perform, but the situ the 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 setting is not going to get to him. Whether the performance is there or not, that's a TBD. But he's not going to be irked just by by virtue of being in the ninth inning the way some guys will. And you know, last week in uh, um, in NFBC. We just threw a little, you know, Middleton was out there actually, and he got hurt on Sunday. And I think the guy who bid on him in our league did not see that. He put 189 oh, of his $1,000 oh, no. budget. That's... We were actually going for Middleton, and it helped. You know, I know not everyone's available on Sundays to be watching games, and if he put those in Saturday night because he had whatever going on on Sunday, that it was helpful to be like, okay, I was actually watching the game when Middleton got hurt, texted Dusty like, yo, Middleton's down. Let's get that out of there. We threw it just like a little keep him honest on Jim Johnson. Nothing crazy. 26. Did not think we were going to get him, especially after the Middleton injury. And we got him for 26, which, you know, we don't like Jim Johnson. We're not like psyched on it. We don't need a closer. But at 26 bucks for a guy who could absolutely become the closer, and you got to do 20 games the previous two seasons. I mean, yeah. you know, he wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination last year, but the Angels traded for him in exactly. spite of that, um, you know, and I mean, he hasn't, again, been good this year, but I mean, he hasn't been atrocious either. He's got the, you know, the track record of being being a closer. This all smells to me like the Angels are just going to, you know, kind of figure it out as they go until the trade deadline. And if they're still in the race, that's when they go out and they try to buy someone in the market. I think that's a good point, and I can definitely see something uh, to that effect with the Angels' bullpen situation. Stay tuned to the bullpen report uh, for further news on that. Uh, let's finish up here before we get into the starting pitcher ranks and talk about Sergio Romo. Speaking of closers, psych! He's actually starting. Sergio Romo is starting <laughs> it's such a weird like what? don't get me wrong like i can really appreciate the thought process in a way because what I'm, what they're gonna give do, it a shot yeah like they're they're gonna like have him pitch an inning or two and just kind of you know try to handle matchups and then uh turn the ball over to uh yarborough um but i <laughs> like this seems so weird <laughs> Just... I, I don't know. It's so surprising too, and it's like it's not some young flame throwing reliever like Josh Hader going back to starting. It's Sergio Romo. I'm excited for it. Like I want to see it. I'm oh, not I'm mad totally gonna about watch. It. Like it's yeah, it's a like devil, it, definite sideshow type like thing. Is it tonight or is it this weekend? What, I what believe is... it's Sunday. 
Or okay. no, Saturday, Saturday, yeah. By the way, Middleton is officially getting it now. Um, when I had written that out, it was not clear that he was 100%. It, it was advised, but it, they had said that he would, you know, hadn't fully decided. Looks like now 1,000% Tommy John. Uh, okay, so start Saturday versus the Angels. Wow. So Mike Trout going to be facing Sergio Romo in the first inning. That will be interesting. Yeah. So he's going to throw a couple innings and then turn it over to Yarbrough. So yeah, it's not going to be like, you know, he's not going five. Yeah, I think I think a super efficient Romo could maybe squeeze three out, but it is still interesting. It's going to be fun to see Sergio Romo starting, and and you know have the top of the lineup to go go through in the first and second innings there, and then Yarbrough can get like you know four or five innings. If you're a uh, you know if you're a fantasy guy. That's your second start from Yarbrough, though. He was a, he was a two start pickup. Could still get the win pitching in those innings. So do you even care that it's not uh, a start? Um, you know what? Actually, uh, it probably <laughs> gives him a better shot to get the wins. <laughs> right? Doesn't have to. You know, he's in. He's more in the middle innings. He's closer to the end of the game there. Yeah. You know where it, it could be. You 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 could squeeze some excess value out of this with Yarbrough. It's a pretty unique situation, so it's not something that's going to be available to everyone. But if you are in a head-to-head league that counts starts, uh, you know mm-hmm. that, that you can only use you X amount start of starts limit, per week. Yeah. You can get, you can use him, and he's not a start. He's he's going to be, you know, like four innings in the middle. Now we don't know what the performance is going to be, but he's been pitching pretty well this year. So uh, I actually think that that's kind of an interesting thing, especially on a weekend when you could be bumping up against your starts limit you have a chance to get a four inning perhaps win uh out of out of ryan yarbrough so I, I would take a look at that but also be careful if you have romo on your team i don't know why you necessarily would it's not like he's been in any sort of prime role but then the the reverse would be true he could use one of your starts and that would be rough so if you had him like stealing some strikeouts in your rp spot or something is he even striking out a bunch of guys Eh, 11 per 9, not terrible. But, uh, yeah, be careful also there. get easily saddled with a loss. Exactly. You, oh, and league. just get crushed. Yeah. He could, he could get obliterated in the first as inning there. As much as this is, like, really interesting and kind of cool for Sergio Romo, he's never okay. started a game at the major league level. Um, you know, he's always been a reliever. Uh, you know, pitchers are creatures of habit. Um, And a guy who's been a career reliever... Like, you know, I, a lot of them, you know, get off on the, like, you know, I'm going in right now type, you know, mentality. Yeah, the hype. <laughs> like, they psych themselves know. up. You know, and, and Romo is a very excitable, uh, you know, emotional character on the mound. So, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. You know, you know what's going to be fun is to see, like, what his, like, DFS price is. Oh, yeah. Because like, you know he'll be, could like. Could it be three digits? Could it be like nine hundred? Uh, I don't think it'll be that low, but like that'd be hilarious. No joke. I think it's going to be under four thousand, and I've never really seen that for a pitcher. No, no. The, the lowest I can really remember is like a forty five hundred on DraftKings, and I don't, I don't know about FanDuel. Can't play that in Texas, so I don't really know about their pricing. But yeah, I've seen like a forty five hundred, and I think, man, I can't remember who it was. It was this year, and I think that guy ended up pitching well. It might have been Jaime uh, Baria. From the Angels, oh, in who, Colorado when he uh, when he had that great start there, absolutely might have been that exact start when he uh, put up five and a third scoreless with seven strikeouts. So that would have been like 
um, yeah, that would have been 26 DFS points on on DraftKings for like 4,500. So yeah, we'll see what goes on with that with uh, Romo, but it'll be fun to kind of watch. Hopefully, he does well. I got, I got, you know, I don't want to see him get like embarrassed out there. All right, seems like you are ready to go on these uh, on, on these SP rankings. So I'll kind of let you. Uh, drive the bus here on what you want to talk about and where you want to uh, where you want to disagree and who do you want to dive into. So I did my mid mid May ranking update. I did one in May, you know, at the beginning of May, and I couldn't, you know, ranking a hundred plus guys. I obviously didn't get a chance to do like a full temperature check on everybody. There's just no way. And believe me, I tried. I watch <laughs> that. It's so agonizing for me to rank these guys because I don't want to leave any stones unturned, but I have to. I have to kind of go with what I have in my mind about how a guy's doing. I don't have, it's just not possible to really dig in on everybody's game log and pitch sequencing and see what they're doing. So I do it for tens of the guys ranked, but not all of them. So I got a lot of questions and I started to have some you know, regrets about where I rank guys a little overzealous here, a little, you know, underappreciated there. And so I said, you know what, I'll do a mid-May one as well. And I'll do an update and the update is out and I definitely feel more comfortable with it, but I'm still, I'm sure there's still stuff that people disagree with, including yourself. So what you got for me? Well, there are especially some in the top 30 that I'm like, wow, I'm surprised to see certain names. Uh, Why don't we start with one of the guys that, I mean, he's pitching well, and I, I love Charlie Morton, but 14th? Here's the thing, Ooh. and I know you're not doing rankings. I I challenge you to go do it. Who, who are you going to put there? That Part of this is – He's above it McCullers? Dies, it dies off so quickly in terms of feeling confident about guys. Uh, yeah, he's above McCullers. I wouldn't get too – I always say don't get hung up on the number. It's the tier. They're in the same tier, four spots apart. If you want to put McCullers ahead of Morton, I've got no problem with that. I'm really focused on – on you know, if you were kind of wanting to split the must-start tier in halves and, and look at that, like if you loved a Chris Archer who I have at 32 over his teammate Blake Snell at 18, like that's a bit of a difference, but, but uh, you know, three to five spot difference isn't that much. But I love Charlie Morton, and I don't see anything – questionable in his skills the only thing i see question in is his health whereas mccullers has the same health concerns but also has some skills concerns like he gets blasted at times now he's very good i love lance mccullers this is not an anti-lance mccullers thing uh, especially because again i've got him at 17 but i think he between the two you're you're more likely to get that that just utter shellacking out of mccullers and so i favored i favored the veteran uh, I just, yeah, I guess McCullers maybe is a bad gripe. Uh, I just, I just love McCullers, and I, I'd have him higher. But, I do too. Seventeen, um, I thought was pretty good. Seventeen is pretty good, but I just, yeah, I mean, you're not worried, I guess, then about the health track record with can't be with Morton. I can't be uh, honestly. I can't get too hung up on all the track track uh, health track records, or else you're just not gonna be able to rank anybody. Because again, it gets so tough so quickly i even created a new tier of of like legitimate number ones i wanted to give them some separation of like the lockdown aces even some of those guys don't quite have track record uh to necessarily uh you know go along with the the klubers and sales and cole even garrett cole who i have up there of the world with like a, a nola and a paxton but they're amazing and i and i absolutely trust them and so they're in the number ones but then again 
you know, am I just going to favor like the health track record of a Chris Archer over Morton and McCullers? Or am I going to favor what they're doing on the field? And, yeah. you know, when we, and when we talk about health with pitchers, yes, previous injury is, is a, a, a factor in, you know, kind of having an idea of how healthy a guy's going to be. But it's not, it doesn't mean that the guy's guaranteed to get hurt. Meanwhile, the guy who puts up a bunch of 200 inning seasons is not immune from injury. So I think that an actual injury probability for pitchers, if you did it like down the list and just put a percentage, it would be a lot tighter than we think. Even on the guys, you know, who are rock solid, you know, innings guys like Rick Porcello, right? You think of him as just a lockdown innings guy. He's he's going to be healthy till he's not though, and. I don't mean for that to be like some dumb trite phrase, but it's so true. It happens all the time. We see these guys that are the the innings studs, and then they start getting hurt. And it, every pitcher has substantial injury risk. There's no such thing as a safe pitcher, I think, is, is the point. So I'm going to lean on the skills of Morton and McCullers, who have elite skills over a health track record of, of a Rick Porcello, when I know that I can't really bet on that that health track record for anything beyond you know the next start okay i'm gonna push back on another one that i just noticed i okay. i just assumed like uh and i'm not gonna push back hard or anything but you can justin verlander number two overall how is it incorrect i just i don't know how i mean like obviously better i know but like how do you like so you're telling me if, if someone in your league came to you and went listen I want to swap Verlander for Kluber. You're you're not. Well, there's no point to doing that. Well, I wouldn't do it because there's no point. Oh man, that's just oh, like I, he, he's been great, and like I, you know, he's been better than great. That that's an understatement. Amazing. He's been amazing. He has been and, absolutely and it dates fantastic. back to last year. And and here's the thing too, because you know after the shutout the other night, there was some some chatter. I, I tweeted out some things about how great he was, and you know someone was saying like, oh, you know how often has he been tested? For PEDs because he's coming off of what and somebody said something about a three-year lull people need to go back and look at Justin Verlander's record this this notion because a lot of people share that this idea that he had this down period he was hurt he has one bad year and he was hurt one not three 2015 was not bad he started off his first like six starts that year coming back from injury uh weren't great and then he finished brilliantly and then 2016 um, he had a couple bad starts against Cleveland. The bottom line, he led the AL in whip and should have won the Cy Young. And then last year, again, Cleveland got him a couple times. He had already gotten going with Detroit before he was traded to Houston. Like, I question people that wouldn't have him very firmly in their top four or five right now. This is what happens when you get married to Kate Upton. I mean, it's just obviously this is just you just stay winning. Yeah, you just stay winning. And, you know, listen, I know that I'm the Justin Verlander fanboy, but I feel like I can back it up everywhere. He's got the best ERA and whip in baseball right now, by the way, and innings count at 68 and two thirds. So, like, even if we're just kind of looking on a tight focus of this year, I feel like the ranking for Verlander is justified. But let alone the fact that when hasn't he been great? One year, 2014, he had the core surgery in that offseason. And, you know, we all thought he was going to be all right because he was pitching from day one and he gutted out 206 innings. And I think, you know, once I saw that season from Verlander, I stopped saying stuff like, um, 
so-and-so player at 80% is way better than this guy at 100%. This is what it looks like when somebody's at 80%. And it's still like pretty solid for a major league team that he can go out there and put up 206 innings and, like I said, kind of gut it out for 32 starts. But it wasn't super fantasy useful, especially in shallower leagues. 454 ERA, 140 whip, only 6.9 Ks. Nice, but also not nice. And so, you know, that's like an 80% of a Verlander, of, of an ace. And so I acknowledge that. But that was 2014. Since then, even before just this year, 15 through 16, or excuse me, 15 through 17, 567 innings of a 324 and a 109 with 9.3 strikeouts per nine. And then let alone what he's done this year and in the playoffs last year. And I mean, he's just at another level. And I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, with Kershaw on the shelf, I got Scherzer number one, Verlander number two. You want to put Sale too? Okay. Even if you want to put Kluber ahead of him, I'm not going to blast anybody. But I think that it's completely 100% justified in the numbers and the skills uh, to put Verlander up there. Yeah, it just it was jarring seeing it. Um, it it's, but I mean, it's meant to be. I, I'm not like I said. I'm not going to push back hard or anything like that because there, there's no real sense. He's just he's been absolutely uh, filthy this year. He's, he's been crazy. All right, well, where, where are we going next? J Hap. Yeah, that was one. You know, are you really going to bench him anywhere right now with a 31 percent strikeout rate? He's only got a 4.15 ERA, but he also has a 1.13 WHIP. Homers have been the issue. But it's just like if you've got him, why would you try to time any? Like, why would you try to take him out? Does he have any sort of distinct split? I feel like you just kind of, you know, th- that one's very much subject to change with a thirty-five-year-old who's never gotten K's at this level, but he's getting the K's right now, and he has a swinging strike rate boost to back it up. So I got him up there, and again, I think he's another one that kind of shows um, just how how thin ultra reliable pitching is and i was impressed that after getting shellacked by seattle he bounced back with a seven seven shutout inning 10 strikeout performance for j-hap so yeah that one kind of surprised myself that i ended up with him there but after i you know looked at the numbers i feel i feel fine with j-hap at 25 i just yeah for me i i i don't think i could and i and i've been a j-hap guy for for a while (laughs) because i've always said like j-hap's one of those guys that you don't look at the end result of your team and go, oh, this guy won me a championship. But like he's yeah. he's you know he's a stabilizer for a rotation. Absolutely. But to me, he's not a top twenty-five or even top thirty, top thirty-five starting pitcher. Um, and I think you know, and obviously the 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 start has been nice. He, he you know he's obviously been uh, very good. The strikeouts that have come out of nowhere have been great. I just see. There's so much room for for regression. I mean, that home run rate is scary. Uh, he's never, or well, I guess he has been a guy Would, who's. Uh, wouldn't he likely regress back to his mean though? You know, you're looking at a 19% homer to fly ball rate with Hap. I think you can make a case that the ERA is going to get better. So even if the strikeouts kind of come back a little bit, but again, they are supported by by uh, a jump in swinging strike rate and. Um, you know he is pitching you know he is getting strikeouts consistently if i don't think you can um you know i think you can make the case that the 1.6 homer per nine is going to come back down when his homer to fly ball ratio brings comes back so if he comes back closer to the 353 era he had last year and keeps most if not all the strikeouts he's even better at that point no 
You no, know, and I, I agree with you. I'm just for me, it's the other numbers that I'm expect. Like I don't see exactly, and maybe it's just something I need to sit down and watch a few of his starts. Uh, because to be honest, I think I've only seen one this year, and it wasn't when you know this far into the season where I'm like looking at the numbers, going, "Holy crap, what is he doing?" Like, Whoa, it's been, um, been on one. So yeah, I, I, maybe I need to go back and watch his last three starts or something like that. Because yeah, the swing and strike rate's been up, but like I don't see a huge difference in the stuff. Or like, why is why are these things changing? I just don't get it. And this is a guy that. I don't remember exactly where I had him in my rankings. I'm sure I can pull him up, but I, I would guess I he was like top, you know, like just outside of the top 50. He was somebody that's funny because that you bring up Hap because I've had a lot of thoughts about him this year in terms of um, the early season ranking, the, the preseason ranking. I had him 64. You had him 68. The composite was 59 because of uh, Jeff boosting him up to 47. And, you know, he does he does it based on the numbers. So. Uh, that kind of helped Jay Hap's performance, I think, gets a little bit underrated. But I, I was like, you know, I, I use him as an example of like, should a should a preseason SP ranking be how you think they're going to finish, you know, one to whatever on the player rater or dollar calculator or whatever, or how you're drafting them? And I used, you know, in my mind, and I was because I was just thinking a lot about it, I was thinking about him specifically of like Hap could easily see him. You know, I think he'll probably end up being a top 50 guy. And this was how I was thinking back in March. But I'm not drafting him there because I don't – first off, mainly because I don't have to. But I also, you know, don't see a ton of upside in like a 35-year-old. And turns out he had some strikeout upside. Who the hell knew? And, um, you know, how do you approach it? Do you rank it as a draft list or do you rank it as – this is this is who I want. I mean, I, I think I've said before. By the way, I said the same thing two different ways. Sorry. Yeah. You rank it as this is how they're going to finish, or this is who I want. Sorry about that. I think when I when I submit my ranks for like fan graphs or friends of fantasy benefits or, or fantasy pros or something like that, I tend to do it in a way that is like a draft list almost because I think mm-hmm. that's where most of the. Uh, um, uh, most most people who are reading it are, are looking at it. They're they're See, you know, I, some I agree with that. By printed, the way. print that out and go. This is my draft list. This is how I'm drafting. Um, you know exactly. I don't think everyone does that though. I think we need, and it'd be impossible to do really, but to come up with some sort of industry consensus because, yeah, like I would rather have a list. You know, I I I lean more on on the industry. Um, when I do fantasy football, right? I don't study it over the top. So I go get lists and, and do stuff like that. I wouldn't want, you know, whoever I trust, whichever side I'm going to, I want sort of a draft list, not just how they necessarily think it's going to end because it would change the ranking. I'm, I'm sure some people are like, well, what would change? Again, I would rank J-Hap higher because I think his probability to finish higher than 64th when I had him there to start the season uh, is pretty good. I think he could be, you know, pretty easily a top 50 guy. But here's some of the guys I had just ahead of him that I would definitely, you know, that I was always going to be drafting ahead of him: Bundy, Clevenger, Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Rip, um, you know, Brad Peacock when we didn't know if he was going to start or not, Danny Salazar, Rip. But you know, I was going to take those guys ahead of him. Again, knowing because I didn't have to draft Hap there, but also because I just feel like I feel like uh, the ranking should be more of like a value draft list and not just trying to guess the final 
ranking position. And like I don't know a little like, you know behind the scenes type stuff. Um, for those of you who go to sites like you know a site like Fantasy Pros and and see rankings there, and then go to like another site like let's say uh, you know you go to Fantasy Pros and you see Joe Smith's ranks there, and then you go to Joe Smith's website and you see the rankings are different. You know there are people within the industry that rank on Fantasy Pros to build themselves up in terms of the overall rankings because at the end yes, of the year they want to win they, that thing yeah they want to win that thing and you know it's you know don't get me wrong like i i do my same ranks like i don't i don't change you yeah. know i if, like, if i'm I, releasing I, in I one place i'm that, not gonna change way. it and well it's smart because you know like i finished 26 uh in the in the fantasy pros rankings you know be uh but if i had ranked where I thought guys were going to end up at the end of the year, I probably would have finished higher. Yep, and I totally, I totally understand that. And like that's that, that's that balance of of like which one should I favor there. So it's just something that you can do it whichever way you want. But I think the the best thing to do would be to make sure you're being clear about that in a rankings. Uh, you know the the lead up to the rankings. Say, hey, here's how I'm ranking them. And I I think you know next year when we do our our preseason rankings, I think we'll. You know, we know Jeff and, and Mike, are, they run their numbers, so they are doing kind of a end-of-year sort of guesstimation. But we'll have a situation where we point out that Justin and I, are do, we're doing our draft list. We're not saying, like, that this crusty veteran will finish behind all these young guys, but those those young arms have a chance to really spike something big, so we would draft them ahead of crusty vet. So, Which is, I think, uh, a nice little um, uh, dichotomy of, you know, of two – two guys who do it one way, two guys who do it another way. For sure. Um, and gives you kind of, you know, a chance to, if you want to use the overall numbers as a way to chart a middle, you know, a middle road, do that. Um, you mm-hmm. know, or, you know, obviously, if you think I'm better than everybody else, then use mine. <laughs> or use mine. I, I, I want to give you, like, you know, I'm put, I, I've been pushing back on a couple guys. I, I want to uh, kind of give you some dap real quick on uh, okay. uh, Blake Snell. 18th like like that people are gonna look at that and say you're crazy and you're right thank you i like it i I mean look at what he's doing because the big thing here for snell is he's cut the walks and that's a huge deal and his homers are up as well 1.4 and i'd be i'd be a lot more afraid of that if he was still walking at the clip that that we're used to he came into the season with like a 12% 12% career walk rate. He's down to 8% Blake Snell is. So those homers are my guess. And this is, you know, we can ask Colette or, or if any Rays fans have seen more of his starts, I'm wondering if it's a situation where maybe he's giving it, you know, not giving in and saying, I'm not going to walk this guy. I'll challenge him maybe getting beat on a few homers, but if they're solo shots and you're up five to one, it doesn't matter as much. I think that that can be kind of a maturation of a young stud who knows, hey, man, if this guy beats me, I'm not going to walk him on 3-1 here. But if he beats me, he beats me. It's 5-2. to two. I'll get I'll get the next guy with two outs. But don't lo- don't put somebody on base and get a little fire going. Don't 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 let that rally get started. And I know that, you know, getting a run on the board is absolutely helpful. Homers are not rally killers. Don't don't ever be the stupid person who says that. It makes no sense. But. Having men on base definitely changes things. Like I understand the point people are trying to make, but I would never subscribe to the idea that home runs kill rallies because that's the whole point that's, of the score. Anyway, I don't want to get on that tangent. Yeah, no, that, that's but, such, uh, a, that's such Snell, a dumb idea. 
yeah, I, I feel pretty confident in, in him. So I, I had him all the way up at 18. Again, when we're looking kind of in a short-term three to six-week sort of uh, time frame there, I'm trusting him every time out. He's pitching brilliantly. We could be in the midst of the breakout. Now, if he bundies and kind of you know falls off kilter a little bit, comes back to the pack, I will adjust. But I think it has to be fluid. The idea that I would just make a pitcher ranking and never change it, like this is not like a political belief. This is a situation of it's not like some core fundamental. It's just ranking the pitchers based on performance, and I think we have to be fluid. Now, that doesn't mean overreact to every start. It's finding the balance, and I I feel like I'm finding that balance with these, uh, you know, every four to six weeks ranking updates. Yeah, I'm super impressed by Snell this year. Um, it's it's he's just been so good, limiting contact, uh, and uh, getting more swings and misses outside of the zone. Uh, swinging strike rate is up. Uh, you know, pitches in a decent environment in in Tampa Bay. I know the ALE sucks, but uh, you know, it just there's so much to love with Snell. And I think people are kind of still sleeping on him. This this feels For like sure. one of those times where you know maybe a little prospect fatigue got to him. And uh, but this is a legit top twenty starter, and so I think uh, uh, you putting him in your top twenty is well deserved. And he had a great finish last year too with Snell. A lot of talk. This you know he was kind of a uh, a, a nice sleeper for some folks. They really wanted to get their Snell shares up because of how well he finished in the summer last year. All right, so that's Blake Snell. Who's next? Oh, well, you mentioned Dylan Bundy, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of have him at 38th right now. It seems kind of like a safe ranking. I'm worried about Dylan Bundy. I'm worried about the velo. Uh, Understandably, and I, I struggled with him because – in the May where in the early May rankings just a few weeks ago, I had him like twentieth because he was or twenty second. He was the Snell, and you know I was I was confident and feeling good, and then he goes out and just gets tr- trounced. And again, I'm the guy beating the drum saying don't overreact to every single start. It wasn't one bad start though. It was three nightmares in a row, uh, culminated with that KC one, that historically bad one where he didn't get an out and allowed seven runs. But then he bounces back against Tampa Bay with seven shutout innings. So with Bundy, what, what else are you seeing there that, that has you concerned? Because I understand being worried. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize the velo went back up a little bit in this last uh, start, which is, you know, puts me a little bit more at ease. But, uh, God, it was Alex Fast. I had Alex Fast on the podcast the other day, and he had uh, a great stat where, like, um, anytime Dylan Bundy's uh, – uh, fastball velocity was under 92 miles an hour. He was just atrocious. Had like a six ERA and only like Dang. six strikeouts or something like that per nine. And then when he was above it, um, see if I can find it on his uh, on his Twitter because uh, uh, he had tweeted it out. Um, but it was like it was really concerning for me. And he still just struggles against left-handed pitching. I mean, or left-handed hitting. Like mm-hmm. he's just atrocious against lefties. Um, and for me, it's like he's just going to continue to be plagued uh, by these kind of issues. And I just, as much as I would love to see him, one, I was worried that the velo drop meant he might be hurt. And this is a guy who's had a long history of, of that was the issues. scary part when he was getting tattooed like that. It was like his Bundy hurt again because he's he, like you said, he's dealt with so much. So, um, God, I'm, I'm trying to find Alex. Uh, 
Alex's tweet, but I'm I'm not finding it buried. Uh, Alex Fast, definitely guy to go. Oh, here he goes. Dylan Bundy, uh, in outings where his fastball uh, velocity is 92 or over, 284 ERA, 1.07 whip, 10.23 strikeouts per nine, a 28% strikeout rate. Uh, when it's uh, 91 or under, uh, 7.88 ERA, 1.88 oh whip, 23% strikeout rate. Um, it is a little bit skewed due to the zero <laughs> in sure. outing, but still. But like, like the velocity is m- really meaningful for him. Absolutely, and it's not like he's even you know, Bunny doesn't have over the top velocity. It's 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 fine, but it's it's interesting to see how stark it is uh, w- with his performance there. And you mentioned the lefty situation: three thirty, four hundred two, five hundred five to lefties this year. Sure, there's a four twelve BABIP, but there's also uh, 11 extra base hits out of the, the 30 hits. So he is getting hit hard, too. I don't think that you can just say, well, it's a bunch of singles falling in and it will regress. The five, the 412 Babbitt will probably come down, but he clearly is having issues with lefties right now for Bundy. And so, I, again, I did like the bounce back. Seven scoreless really helped there. It is kind of crazy, though, that you combine the two starts and it ends up being seven runs in seven innings because he did not get a single Royal out. Oh my God! I, you know, I, the, I, I started him in Tat Wars Daily that day. I'm sure a lot, of, like and I, I think KC. I would have won, or I would have finished second had I started like anybody else. Oh my God! And that was on a Tuesday, and you know that that just trashed some head-to-head leagues. Oh, I was playing against him in Tat Wars, <laughs> dude. I, you know, now I'm trying to say like, oh, let's talk just about my teams or whatever. Just for whatever reason, in a 10-teamer, even though it was against KC, I sat him in my head-to-head. I was just like, nah, he hasn't been pitching well. I'll save the start for the weekend, and I'll see what's what. Like, I'll maybe pitch him on the weekend uh, if he bounces back here. And uh, he did not bounce back. Like, I mean, he did bounce back, but he was terrible in that start, so I, I, I dodged it. And I, it, was, it was more luck than anything. I did not – you know, think that he was going to get trounced like that against KC well, with the Bundy. The worst part about it is for most people in head to head leagues, they got him in a two start week and they started him for that first start. And then, well, no way am I starting him on the last day Bingo. of the week when I need to preserve my ratios. Yep. And so not only did most people have to eat that bad start, they didn't even get the good one because they that's what we call out. the double whammy. Um, when 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 you get murked like that, and that is rough. So yeah, he's someone to definitely keep a close eye on, and I agree with you that it was a safe ranking. I felt okay to kind of get him right there. Um, what was it like fifty something? Hang on, where is Bundy? Where do I have him? Control F thirty eighth. Excuse me. So they usually start. So I'm still back to like usually starting him. The the usually start tier extends all the way down to fifty five. So you can really start to kind of fit him in. You know, there's probably guys behind him that folks would like over Bundy. I'm fine with that. But for right now, I think with the bounce back, you got you can feel comfortable using him, and 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 you got to kind of start him right now while while see, we see I, what's I, what. I, I'm putting Kyle Gibson above Dylan Bundy. You you would. Yeah, you would. I would. How dare you? Another guy I would put above him, but you still have in the same tier. Uh, but I just think should be a little bit higher. You know. Uh, Andrew Heaney, I'm loving what Andrew Heaney is doing. Uh, I'm digging Andrew year. Heaney. I, I I gave him a big boost 
But talk to us about Andrew Heaney because he's he's on he's on one right now. I think people. I put him at forty-seven. By the way, let's we'll say the number forty-seventh for Andrew Heaney, the young the well not so young lefty anymore. Speaking of prospect fatigue, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, but he's been great through thirty-four innings. What what are you seeing? I mean, this is a guy who was a former top prospect uh, of the Marlins, was traded to two teams in one day. Yes, uh, for those who the forget. Dodgers then. The Angels, right? Yeah, he was traded to the Dodgers, and then, like two hours later, traded to the Angels. And in an epic tweet, uh, he thanked uh, the Dodgers uh, organization <laughs> and fan for his time <laughs> with the Dodgers. This is really fun. Um, but I mean, uh, he's he's striking guys out. Uh, he's got a twenty-seven, almost twenty-eight percent, twenty-seven point nine percent strikeout rate right now. Uh, getting uh, great swings and misses, especially out of the zone. Um, and like for me, the but the biggest issue is, you know, when a guy comes back from Tommy John, we're always worried about control. Control is mm-hmm. always the last thing to come back, and he's not walking guys. Like he's he's showing good control, um, and I don't know how many innings he's going to get this year. The biggest fear is they go well, we're going to shut him down at like one twenty uh, or you know one forty or something like that. Um, but the Angels have a lot of injury issues in that rotation. They may need him. Exactly. I don't think they're going to have that luxury. I I really don't. And it's a 27-year-old, too. He's kind of, uh, you know, out of the injury nexus a little bit. I think it's like 25 and under when when you're a lot more susceptible. Obviously, he's had injuries. Again, he's coming back from injury, uh, Tommy John, for Heaney. And he only threw 21 innings last year. And he had some decent skills, but he allowed 12 homers in 22 innings. So he you know, it completely clouded the 11.2 strikeouts uh, that that he had in those five starts. But he's been great this year. The strikeouts are still really high. The homers are all the way back down to normal 0.8. And you know, he's been really good. And he went toe to toe with uh, with Houston there, and that was that was a great outing. Eight innings, one run, ten strikeouts uh, going against the aforementioned Lance McCullers and and besting him let's let's be honest I mean he went two extra innings had four more strikeouts gave up one fewer run so uh he bested a, a great pitcher in Lance McCullers uh, and, and a damn good lineup too so Andrew Heaney's really good how high do you think you get him mm, I think he's in my top 40 okay. uh maybe maybe you gotta let me know when you're gonna do another one of these and I will I don't know if I'll post it but I'll make my own and then we can compare Boom, and talk contrast. About Let's um, say uh, the week of June 4th. The you want to plan for that? June 4th. Uh, yeah, that sounds good to me. So that's a couple weeks from now. Um, yeah, and, I, and you know, I'll, mention, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it to you again on the week of the 28th saying, hey, don't forget next week I'm going to post another update at some point. And then if you have yours, we can, and again, if you want to post it, great. If not, that's fine, but you'll have and you can say, here's where I have this guy, and this is where you have him. So that'll be fun, too, for sure. Uh, all right, so that's Andrew Heaney. We'll do a couple more here as we finish up because I'm, I'm definitely enjoying this and interested by your thoughts. Still still believing in Luis Castillo at 39. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, now now's the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you catch me a couple weeks ago, um, and, and you catch me slipping a little bit. But, no, I mean, I'm going to – I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to stick with it right now at this point. I, I don't see a reason to really buckle uh, when he's got seven plus strikeouts in his last three outings. He's actually been really strong 
in May. It's just that he still has a 602 ERA because he had a 785 in uh, April. And a lot of it, you know, here's the thing. And I'm not saying you can take it out or it doesn't count or anything like that. But that, the, the perception is that he's been terrible this year, right? And I understand that he has a 602 ERA. I'm not, I can't pretend that Luis Castillo has been anywhere near my expectations or anything like that. But the, the interesting thing is, is that up until that Minnesota start, he had a really bad uh, ERA and, and, and like reputation for how he was pitching, but he hadn't been pitching that badly. The one inning five earned really did a lot of damage because if you look otherwise, it was a lot of crooked numbers, um, but it was really only one bad, like one god-awful start to that point, his debut, six runs, five innings against Washington. Then it was five and four, six and three, six and two-thirds and four, five and three. And those again, those aren't good but those aren't the end of the world. And you're like, he can get out of this. Well, then he goes one inning, five runs, completely erases any of the you know slightly good work that he'd done. Because remember that six and two-thirds was when they stupidly brought him back in the seventh, and they should have just let him go six scoreless or six one-run uh, one innings. It was, it was going to be a great start. No, it was all four runs in the seventh inning. They could have gone six scoreless there and brought him back out. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, at, that start at Minnesota really – kind of pushed things back to the point where his ERA is going to still take a while to catch up, but he's had three great starts and uh, an uh, out shy of three straight quality starts for Luis Castillo with 22 strikeouts in the uh, 17 and two thirds. So yeah, I know, I know you were going to, I knew you were going to bring him up tongue in cheek or whatever, but uh, of course I'm still sticking with Luis Castillo. No, I mean, like you mentioned last, last three starts, he's got a 306 ERA uh, striking out 11 per nine. Uh, the walks are, have been in check. Just you know, still dealing with a little bit of homeritis. Exactly. That that's the big issue. And you know what? That wasn't given enough attention in in, in the off season by by me and his other big backers. It was something that I would acknowledge and say, yeah, he had a little bit of a home run issue, and he plays in Cincy, but he's got gift to pitching so he's going to allow negative homers they're going to take homers off of his record from last year well and, he's going to and be so we didn't good. you know i mean you know i wasn't obviously uh on the bandwagon the way you were um you know there was no real reason to think that he was going to have homer problems i mean this is a guy who had been able to quell homers in the minor league system uh but you know, he also skipped triple A, so Exactly. You know. And plays in a park conducive to them. Now he's giving up homers everywhere. It's not just the home park by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, he's giving up more on the road than at home right now. So, you know, that that that's that's where we are with Luis Castillo right now. And, you know, to the credit of the masses, and maybe they're maybe they see his raw talent and they're worried about getting that last laugh, but I've not gotten a lot of trolling on him be honest. It, it, I haven't gotten a lot of like, what, what was your problem with Luis Castillo? You know, a little bit of ribbing here and there, and, and that's totally fine. The dude has a 602 ERA, and I was saying take him in the top like 25 starters. But um, I haven't got a lot of a lot of trash talk of like, oh, you're so wrong here. And I think because a lot of people realize that he can still fix this. Like he could still end the season with like a 330 ERA, and I don't think anyone would be that surprised if Luis Castillo did that. Uh, another one of your guys that has underperformed, but you obviously still believe in, is Michael Fulmer. You still have mm-hmm. Michael Fulmer as a must-start. A lot of comments on him. Has he, though? Isn't it just two bad starts? 
If I'd done this ranking, yeah, the last two have been bad starts. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Those two. What was his ERA before that? Like 280. And it's, it's two bad starts, and they happen to be the most recent starts. Mm, you're right. And he still has 12 strikeouts in those 10 innings, which has been like a big question about him. Like, is he going to get strikeouts? And you know, I'm not going to tell you that 11 runs in 10 innings is good because it's it's not. It's pretty simply uh, not. But it's also uh, at Texas was one bad inning, a very much a Luis Castillo thing. He, but I'm not saying he shouldn't have come out. So I, I shouldn't say it's Luis Castillo thing. He should have been out in the sixth, but he got trounced. Three hits, all four run, or excuse me, four of the five runs. So I don't see that as like a, a huge struggle. I see an awful inning. Okay, and then. Uh, Seattle, they just they got him. You know, they got they had multiple innings of damage, but but the last one was big damage. Uh, three of the three of the six runs. So I, I don't know. I, again, I think if this ranking comes out, in fact, I don't think I got any questions when I did the early May ranking because it was before both of those starts, and nobody said anything about what you know. How do you have Fulmer here when I had him thirty uh, seventh? I think I I think I moved him up though. I think that's. Part of the issue is like you moved him up. It's like that's more of other guys though, because that was, his move up from the two weeks ago isn't so much anything he did. Because again, Fulmer's had two bad starts. It's because I I deeper did deeper dives on some guys, and I was like, you need to move down, you need to move down, and then all of a sudden, boom, there he was at 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 twenty seven or whatever. So I don't know. I know I've always been the Fulmer guy. I'm I'm def you know there's bias there right you can't you can't remove the bias you can be you, you do your best to be objective and say this is I'm coming at this with a critical eye but anybody that thinks that they can remove their bias is wrong no bias but you know I watch every Yankees game and Domingo Herman is the best pitcher ever. no bias but like he is the best pitcher that has ever pitched it's like that bias is ingrained because I watched the Tigers and I've seen virtually every one of his career starts. But I look at Michael Fulmer and I'm like, that guy, that guy's a beast. And I'm not going to let two bad starts uh, really push me off of him. And I, I'm just not sure that there's a league where I have Michael Fulmer at the price I paid that I'm sitting him. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm buying back in with you. I don't know if he's – no, I guess he is must start. All right, um, and like, and if you want to put him at the end of that, which is thirty fifth, again, that's more semantics to me than anything else. That's why I always say like the numerical ranking. We can talk about it, but that's not the main focus. I have him in the must start. You want to put him down toward the end of that? I can, I can understand that. I'm gonna stick with twenty seven though, because I just and and the fact that he's adding some K's, showing some more swinging strike stuff. I still think there's a, a strike. I think there's strikeout per inning stuff here with Fulmer, and and it might not come this year. But until I see something to make me go against, you know, watching this guy, I'm going to continue to believe that he can be a stud. Now, the one thing I will say is the comp I've given Fulmer is uh, peak Jordan Zimmerman, and for years I thought Jordan Zimmerman's strikeouts would jump up, and they never did. And uh, well, I think they had like one year, but it was just like I kept saying, no, there's there's more strikeout stuff here. So if he does follow that trajectory. I'll be fine because the ERA and WHIP was always really good, but the strikeouts might not come to the level that I expect. But when you watch Fulmer, 95 mile per hour fastball, mid mid 80s slider, and a great changeup. And when that changeup's on, he can get double digit strikeouts. Right now, I think he favors efficiency though. Three pitches and out. All right. 
Alright, anybody uh, that you want to talk about that uh, you got a lot of pushback on? or uh... I mean, it was, it was great that you brought up Fulmer because I, you can go look at the com- in the comments there and there are a buttload of why Fulmer, what am I missing with Fulmer, why do you like Fulmer, are you Michael Fulmer? Uh, it's just a lot of questions. <laughs> I like and that I'm one, not, are you Michael Fulmer? <laughs> I'm not Michael Fulmer. Uh, but I do, I do really like him. He's definitely at this point. I think it's safe to say he's one of my quote unquote one of my guys because I I, I keep uh, ranking him higher than a lot of people believe he should be. As far as like other ones, you know, it it is really those top sixty that are really tough because then you start to get in that really thick spot start tier and you know I know that to have a tier that big, I think it's almost fifty guys. It's like well. You know, that's so many guys, but that's just kind of the way the pitching landscape is, where there's so many of these guys that you can just kind of make your decision based on your league, your setup, the the the, the two starts that they have or the one start that they have. Like I didn't know where really to put Freddie Peralta. Yeah, he was awesome and it was very cool, but Colorado's awful against righties. Like they're they're painfully awful. So I just kinda like, okay, spot start eighty six. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I maybe should have done I maybe should break up the spot start tier to like spot start mixed leagues, spot start single leagues or some or deeper leagues or something like that. I don't know. Cause it does feel like it ranges from Fernando Romero down to Matt Boyd. But at the same time, look at how Matt Boyd's pitching. He's pitching pretty well. And if Matt Boyd was better than Fernando Romero the rest of the year, would you really, would you honestly be like floored? No. And I mean, Boyd's been one of the guys I've recommended a bunch in the road to write up and, and I mm-hmm. and I keep getting pushed back on it. Every time I recommend Boyd, someone goes, Oh, why would you, you know, look what he's doing? At some point you ride the hot streak. Exactly. He's just performing. And there was some hype for, for Boyd. You know, um and he wasn't really panning out on it. He's twenty seven now. Like last year, he'd have a couple good starts and I mean this has happened now since he joined the Tigers. You could see Matt Boyd string together a couple good starts, people buy in, and then he trounces you. Well, this year I like that the strikeouts are up, the swinging strike rates up, walks are down, the homers are down. That's the key. But it is also a five percent homer to fly ball rate. So keep an eye on that if that starts to level out. Um and he is allowing more fly balls. So I, you know, but that's why I have him down at 105. So, no, I mean, there weren't a ton of names that really stood. You know, Jeff Samarja, I, I, I've kind of moved on from White Copaneda because, He's, you know, yeah. I was hyped on him, right? That, that, that's one. I, I, he was my guy. Like, it, we're going to call Fulmer your guy. I mean, Samarja was definitely, was definitely this, my guy. This show loved him, whether it was the two of us mm-hmm. or bringing on Eno. Like, there was hype because of what we saw last year. And then, there was a turning point. I don't know exactly when it was. It was in like late spring where I was just like, wait a minute. This is literally Michael Pineda, though, where the homers aren't going to come down, though, even though he plays in San Francisco. And it's not that I ran from him and didn't get him and thought he was like a trash pitcher. And I certainly didn't expect to see 5.4 walks. So I don't even know that we can fully assess like what what is going on with him, by the way. You're a Giants fan and you watch their games. Like, why is he walking everybody? Because I would have hoped that – if you were going to do some walks, do some walks. If you were going to give up some walks, I was hoping that the homers would come down. I thought those two were kind of related. That's where the Michael Pineda thing comes in because I think Pineda uh, gives in way too much and doesn't just walk the guy and say on to the next one and instead you know, says, hey, I have a great walk rate. Yeah, but you give up like four homers every game. So what's going on with Samarja? 
Well, one, I, the velo is an issue for him. Like, the, the velocity is down. Um, but he just doesn't have the same control that he – and I don't know if it's the injury – uh, if mm-hmm. he still have got some lingering things going on, and they did kind of rush him back. And so I've been kind of holding on, because I've got a lot of shares of Jeff Samarsha this yeah. year. Um, but He's so nice. Like I mean, uh, I just thought he was well-priced, too, because a lot of people weren't mm-hmm. as hyped as we were. And so you could get what well, we thought was, was like a real set. Too. Like the, he was yes. like a volume guy. And, you know, there's nothing worse than a volume guy getting hurt. Um you know, and, and the Giants are dealing with so many injuries in that pitching uh, rotation that um, that they needed him back. And I feel like maybe they rushed him back before he was healthy. Uh, but he's just not locating um, at all. He's just it just he's leaving things up like and it's it's so inconsistent. It's, it's pitch by pitch. There are times yeah, where I, I look so at bad. him and I go. Oh wow, that was that was the pitch. Okay, this is where you start to see him turn and then the next pitch I'm like, "Where were you throwing that?" That's not where the what glove was. What was your choice like, there? Like, um and it 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 doesn't seem to like be like, well, he lost this pitch or he lost that pitch or you know, he's he can't he can't feel he can't feel this or can't it's 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 everything and like you know, you almost wonder if the Giants had a healthy rotation if they would put him back on the DL to say, yeah, you need, you need some more time off yeah. to get right. Cause yeah, Samarja is not at all like himself. No, because I mean, you know, it's not a matter of like, this guy's gotten unlucky. This, he has earned every, all of this, uh, like, which is scary, you know? And yeah, and it's just, he's giving up more contact. Um, you know, he's not getting as much swing and miss outside of the zone. Um, it's, it shouldn't be as bad as it is, but it's it's he's allowing men to get on base, and that's uh, you know, and it's been ugly. And I so just, if it's basically free, would you? I mean, you already have them everywhere in your league. Would would you recommend folks maybe get them for nothing? Like, cause I I actually think you could, right? Sometimes that you know when people say buy low on a guy, I'm like, you're not buying low on Paul Goldschmidt. Like nobody's giving him away. You can buy low, maybe give like a third round player who's performing well or something like that. But you're not giving your your tenth round guy or anything with uh, Goldschmidt. But like with Samarja, he's going to be on some waiver wires, and I do think you can actually go out and get him cheap. So is it something where you would say, you know what, he can't be this bad. Let's take a shot. I think. If I had the ability in that in a in a league like that to just leave him on my bench, like I'm not going okay. to use this guy. This is a stash. Um, then yeah, I would. But okay. Like if you're in a league where like you're doing this to you know buy low, but you're going to have to use him. I I don't see anything that is glaring as like a good sign of things to come yet. Okay. Like you're really just buying in on the name and track record. Yeah, track record. So. Okay. Well, uh, anybody else that you want to hit on before we go? Uh, Tyson Ross, a little bit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That one definitely stands out to people. I think what he's doing. um, I mean, he's he's pretty much vintage Tyson Ross right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, a ranking like this is going to be jarring to a lot of people. And to be honest, I don't think that I could put him inside my top 30, but I don't have a reason to push back on you doing it. Uh, it's just, it, you know, when I saw it, I went, oh, man, really? Tyson Ross? And then, yeah, I think he definitely stands out like that to people. They're like, what? 
but the guy you who think had a about 780 it, you, ERA last year. Yeah, you think about it. Well, and like not just the 780 ERA last year. Like it's been a while since he was usable yeah, in two, fantasy. Two dead years, really. 16 and 17 were nothing because mm-hmm. of injury. Uh, but you look back at 15. And and you look and you see Tyson Ross is pitching a lot like his 2015. And for me, it's like, okay, you've got him. Where would you really bench him right now outside of Coors? And and I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, if you don't want to put him out there in Coors, he is in the must start. But I also allow in the must start write up uh, like the, the 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 definition of the tiers. So I'm saying like there are some no Coors field types in here, but for the most part, it's set it and forget it. And for me, you know, with Tyson Ross, I'm just playing him. I'm riding it out. You know, if if, if the injuries crop back up, that I hope they don't because that would suck. But he's been rolling, and I, I and I've always liked Tyson Ross too. So part of it is just previous previous uh, buy-in with Ross, but also the fact that he's looking healthy and pitching like vintage Ross, as you mentioned. Yeah, no, I just, I mean, I like I said, I'm not going to push back or anything. I just, I just, it was a little bit drawing when I first saw that. Yeah, I think a lot of folks uh, probably see that and think, wait, does he mean Joe Ross? Wait, Joe Ross isn't pitching either. What does he mean? Is Paul drunk? No, I'm not. Very sober. And uh, and Tyson Ross is a god. Sorry. Sorry about it. Um, are you mad that I put Chris Stratton at 79? No, because he he, he deserves to be at 79. It's uh... Why does he have a kid? It ruined his life career i'm just kidding <laughs> but colette pointed out on our on our text chain that uh you know since since the the birth of his child he's had like three rotten starts in a row or something yeah, or it just hasn't been great i know he's got like a quality start mixed in there didn't he do well against atlanta of all teams like he faces one of the hottest teams going during his struggles and he's like well this one i'll throw a quality start but then i'm gonna get back to sucking right after that which is uh i mean it's interesting you know uh, because unlike you not getting a lot of heat for for Luis Castillo, anything th- anytime Chris Stratton does anything, I, I hear about it. Like, but he was so cheap, like he can't. <laughs> like, like I, I got people out there paying top eight round pick for Luis Castillo. I feel like I should get more heat than anything that Stratton does. He was free. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, the the Atlanta start, uh, you almost wonder if the fact that he was on the road, it was like the first time he got like a full night's sleep. Yes, that that's a great call. He, he probably was like, listen, love you, babe. Kid, love that we have a kid. I can finally get a nice rest in a hotel room. It's got to be a little bit of like a little, little breath mm-hmm. there. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, having a child in the midst of a baseball season and you know you don't want to be away with your with your wife taking care of the child, and I don't know that that's got to be so tough. Yeah, no, it's uh, um, uh, you know, I, I feel like he. It, one of the things is like if you ever, and I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast or somewhere else, if you ever have Chris Stratton pitching and Buster Posey isn't catching, sit him immediately. He needs he needs uh, Posey. Yeah, because I mean, he 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 relies on being able to get those corners, mm-hmm. and Posey is such a great catcher and framer, and Hunley is not. Um, that uh, Buster Posey steals uh, strikes for him all throughout the game, and I mean, it's uh, I haven't necessarily like like dipped into each one of the starts where you know who was catching and stuff like that, but just watching it, I you know it's. You know, especially early on in the season when he was, you know, striking guys out near, you know, in Arizona and things like that. 
like Buster Posey was like pulling, you know, pitches, you know, inches and stuff off, you know, off the side of the plate and bringing him in the zone and, and umpires are falling for it. Um, and uh, with Hunley, it's like Hunley just doesn't care. Which I, 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 like hit, well, Hunley is a person. Like he's a really like he, you know, he won the like the like MVP of the Giants, voted on by the players. Like you know, the 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 best clubhouse guy or whatever it is uh, last year. But uh, like not not a good catcher. The tough thing on on Hunley though too is that he's actually um, hitting well, and so he's going to be getting mixed in more probably. And so you will have to be careful. You know, he's obviously going to, you know, he's a backup catcher. He's going to get his at least one start a week, but they can also throw, you know, if they want to get Belt off of his feet, they can throw Posey at first and well, Hunley. They, they threw Belt in the outfield the other day. Oh, dang. So there you go. Um, they, they're so, dying in left field. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, because Pence and then Mac Williamson got hurt as soon as he came up and he was raking. Pence is and then Hanson. ready to come back. Yeah, and then Hanson's gone. So Hanson was like a hot pickup. Uh, you know, because he was stealing and hitting uh, for Pop, and then he goes on the DL right away. I kind of like him, by the way. You talk about prospect fatigue. Some folks might not even remember that he was a hot prospect for a little while and just kind of fell off the map um, in Pittsburgh, and now he's coming up. He gets a chance, and I'm I'm intrigued by this. More, more on the speed than the power, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about being in the majors. It's a power environment, so you're going to play above your your minor league power. More more guys than not are going to play above that level. And he's got real power. Like, um, you know, one of the things I think I mentioned somewhere uh, recently was like that first home run he hit in San Francisco uh, was to right center, and it like it was the deepest part of the park in you know with the park with the deepest right center field in all of baseball. Dang! Like it was, it was a no joke shot, um, and I think people look at him as a speed only guy. Yeah, uh, but he actually has has some pop. Hit another one in PNC, um, you know, which isn't an easy park to hit at uh, either. So, like, I think Alan Hansen, you know, has a real shot to be viable all year once he gets off the DL, because even when Panic comes back, uh, they can play him in the outfield. You know, the, he can, yeah, he can play everywhere. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm I'm 100% with you here. I like Alan Hansen, and you know, with him getting hurt, kind of right after the hype blew up, he might have he might be back on waiver wires or or you know acquirable. I would definitely look into to getting Alan Hansen in in leagues you know of, of a certain depth. I'm not sure that you necessarily need to hold him in ten teamer, but. Especially with that DL spot, though, too. So no, I, I'm, I'm very pro, very pro uh, Alan Hansen. All right, I think that's going to go ahead and uh, wrap us up for the weekend. Great to have you back from Paradise, and uh, appreciate appreciate you going easy on me here with the uh, with the pitcher rankings. That was fun, though. No, I, I like it. And guys, you know, go ahead and put your comments in. I'm always open for a debate on on you know where a guys ranked. I'm definitely going to come with my my case. You don't have to agree with it, but if you want to make a case against somebody or for somebody, I totally understand that. And I am open to, uh, you know, hearing those cases, especially cause like I, I freely admit that I ranked 130 guys and I or 125 this time. I don't have all 125 committed to memory of like what they've been doing in their last eight starts or how their pitches are going. So if you see something that is glaring, um, you know, let me know what you think. You did not rank Clayton Kershaw. I did not. He is the, I don't rank injured guys. I think it's worthless. Because 
I, I just I no, don't right. see value in it. And and so I'd made a decision to say, let's just pull them out until they're back. You know, with the stud guys, you know you're just hanging on to them, but do you you know I don't see the value of like trying to say, well, Carlos Martinez is here. Well, what if what if he has a setback? You know, so I, I just maybe it looks like punting or taking the easy way out, but I think it's just the smarter way to handle it. You gotta kinda put the injury guys off to the side a little bit. I, I do appreciate you uh you, you ranking Bartolo Colon. Had to. <laughs> had to. It was very low, but I had to. He's he's been oddly been great. Pitching, been pitching really well. Doesn't he have like a twenty uh, two eighty ERA? Yeah, yeah two eighty two. And a point eighty four whip, also one point six homers. Yeah, and so and that, he's only striking out like five or something. Yes, nine, correct. So. He's also walking nobody, but yeah, you know, that's gonna that's gonna go up. All right, man. Have a great weekend. Take care. Fair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download Squad QL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download Squad QL for free for your Apple and Android devices. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does Squad QL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download Squad QL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. Squad QL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy Lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.